What's up? What's up? What's up? It's your boy Chris Cox here, host of Multiple Podcast Disorder, and we are coming to you live from the big red state of Nebraska. It is a wonderful day. It is a great day because we are one step closer to football season, and it is going to be a great season. Maybe not necessarily for all the great play and all the great players, but the intrigue, the drama, the Game of Thrones-esque goings on behind the scenes in the NFL and even college is what's making me excited for uh, football season this upcoming or this year. So what we got before we jump into everything, because we have a great special guest and a great show set up for everybody. So please don't forget to catch multiple podcasts disorder. You can catch us on uh, Anchor FM, which is the main site for uh, multiple podcast disorder. You can also catch us on iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Castbox, and Spotify, among others. So again, you can also catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Multiple Podcast Disorder. So on uh, Instagram, you can catch us at Multiple Underscore Podcast Underscore Disorder, and on Facebook, just at Multiple Podcast Disorder. Hopping into my wonderful guest. Wonderful guest is the host of his own podcast, and it is called From Where I Sit. And it is a great take on sports, culture, and just how culture is currently all pop culture now. Uh, so it's a great take, great information, great insight. Uh, we'd like to welcome back to the show, uh, Christopher. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you, man. Uh, great, really great for you being here because we've got some good topics that I know are kind of going to get us both fired up. And if you're just in, if you want to know, uh, Chris's podcast is also on Anchor. It is also on CastBox. It's also on Spotify and iTunes, among others. Uh, you can catch his new episode. Should be coming out. When's that new episode going to drop, Chris? Uh, I would say within a week or so. Um, this this episode goes up in a few days or so. So I'd say a, at least a week from then. Okay, so check it out. Week from now, hop on iTunes, hop on Spotify, look up from where I sit. Uh, it's going to be great. And Chris, throw out some of those social media tags where they can find you, buddy. Okay, um, I'm currently on Instagram at Instagram from where I sit underscore PC, uh, and I'm on Twitter at from where I sit PC. All one word. Um, if anything, you can just check out the hashtag. Uh, FWI uh, SPC, and you should find me. That sounds awesome. Do that. Check out the hashtag. Check out the social media. Maybe hit them up on Twitter. Get those Twitter fingers ready. Again, keep it classy out there, my wonderful 13 listeners. Keep it classy. (laughs) So again, and like I said before, I'm trying to get, I'm still working my Twitter fingers out. I'm still trying to get them uh, ready and up to speed to hop in the pro level as what Twitter is. I'm not there. I'm still in the, I'm still in the minors. So I don't don't know. I'm still just in text. So I I can't hop on Twitter just yet. I might get bounced out the league. I I don't want to do that. I want to be ready. I'm I'm literally uh, a rookie myself. I'm just, I've followed like seven people. Like no one's following me yet. (laughs) I'm out here struggling. I'm swimming in the deep end. Trying to hope. Get this man some followers, guys. Come on. My 13 followers and his seven, we can make a solid 20 followers. I'm talking about a solid 20. That's, that's a that's a very good 20. A very good 20. See, 20 is respectable for a rookie. You I, See, right now, I wouldn't even be able to hold a clipboard. I'd be that third string with a with a hat and uh, in street clothes. So, <laughs> so I want to at least be able to hold the clipboard. All right. But yeah. speaking of holding clipboard, speaking of football, uh, slang and terminology and visuals. We're going to jump into this Antonio Brown situation. Now, I know most of the listeners know I talk about anime, I talk about movies, I talk about pop culture. Antonio Brown is becoming pop culture. If you're not uh, up to speed or aware of Antonio Brown, a few years ago, he just karate kicked a punter <laughs> in the face, which seemed to bring him more to the national spotlight other than his actual gameplay. Um, and currently right now he was threatening his new team, the Raiders, uh, threatening to no longer play football at all 
if he wasn't allowed to wear his helmet that he's worn the past nine, ten years in the league. Uh, this comes on the heels, no pun intended, of his cryo uh, emergency with his cryotherapy for his feet that has turned into like a frostbite trench foot situation because he was yeah. only wearing socks while getting the cryotherapy in France. Uh, so that was not a definite injury that's probably extremely painful. So even though people are laughing at it, it's probably an extremely painful uh, situation. Uh, so he's not on the field. He's got a foot injury. And now he's threatening to no longer play because of this helmet situation. And it's coming down from the league, and it's more of a safety issue. His helmet's 10 years old. You can't recondition it. They're trying to say this is for his safety, so he is not getting concussions. Okay, so now that we've got that out the way and broke it down, is AB crazy? I just want to throw that out there. Is he just crazy right now? Because that, that's the only way I can really feel like we can truly hop into this conversation. Is AB crazy? There is an argument that can be made to say that he is. Uh, I don't feel that he's crazy. I feel like he may be very, very particular. He might be on the he might be on the precipice, mm-hmm. the borderline, the uh, the threshold of crazy. Okay, I can't say he's crazy at this moment. So he's got just some toes curled over the side, and he's looking into the abyss. Basically, all right. Basically, he's got his. Think of it like the sideline. He's tapping his toes. Toe tap, right. Tony. He's right at crazy. He's toe tapping at crazy. Oh, I don't think he's there yet. So I will start off with saying his work ethic has got him to where he's been. And his work ethic is is well documented. And he's worked himself into the point of a premier player in the NFL. But he had a very messy divorce, a very messy breakup from the Steelers and Ben Ben Roethlisberger, as well as Mike Tomlin. Uh, and he gets shipped off basically for peanuts. I mean, he literally got shipped off for a washing machine, some peanuts. Uh, I mean, it was like the Jackie Moon trade. You know, he got traded for a washing machine. And uh, he goes to the Raiders. And the first thing he does, he says all the right things during media day. He's like, oh, man, I just want to be here. I just want to play. Uh, I just want to be the player that I know I can be for this team. I mean, well-documented, they have the cameras when he's going to visit Derek Carr and they're hugging each other, like, what's up, baby, man? We're going to do this. We, again, because they're juxtaposed against him saying all the right things as he becomes uh, the newest Raider in the organization. He's saying, I don't have to play anymore. I don't need to play anymore. I don't need the game. He's like, I love the game, but I don't need it. I can walk away right now. All this is paid for. I'm a billionaire. Mm, not sure about that one. <laughs> That's a bit strong. Not sure about the saying a billionaire. Uh, and so again, he has said these little nuggets, these little pieces of truth going out there. I don't need the game. I don't want the game. I don't need the game. And so now we're here where he's threatening to not play because of this helmet. Right. Do you even think he wants to play? You know what? I I just had this thought with you giving the entire breakdown. My thought is I don't think he wants to play for the Raiders. Mm. It just came to me as a, I don't think he wants to play for the Raiders. Like the, there's just something, something about his actions speak to the fact that he may have, he may have wanted out of Pittsburgh, but, I think he may have wanted more control of where his destination was. There was no public dis, uh, discussion about, oh, AB wants to go to one of these four teams. Like, yeah. you know, when, uh, some other diva players say they want out. They normally give you like a, a list of players, a list of places they want to go. Um, but I think that Brown got to Oakland, probably talked with the, the front office, talked with Gruden, talk with the coordinators and he said you know what i don't think this is going to work out on a, just on a personal level so now he's trying to find ways to 
I don't say upset the apple cart, but it, it, it's more of just find a way to get out of the situation as best he can. So he's trying to hold his breath until he gets what he wants. Basically, he, it's sort of it's sort of like the kid who's trying to get into the car. You want this kid in the car seat, but he, he's pushing against the, the straps. He's trying mm-hmm. to fidget with the lock. He's trying to find a way out of that situation. Without, because he, the thing is, he just got there and he just got paid. So doing a whole holdout thing, he can't do. Yeah. But if he, if, he, if he can create enough friction to get him moved again, this might, this might be the end goal for him. So does that happen? Do will do you think the Raiders would move him strictly because of the helmet issue, because of his antics due to the helmet issue? Good question. I think. I don't know if they, they would look really bad if they moved him right away. Yeah. Like I, you almost have to sit on him for a year and try to get value for him next year when you're going to Vegas. Yeah. That, that's what I would do if I'm the, if I'm working in the front office, but if he's, if his situation is causing that much grief, I mean, if it's affecting the team where the team is sort of fractured over this, uh, you might just have to move him now. And that's 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 going to be interesting because people know what you paid. Yes. So they're not going to pay more than you paid. No. And that's going to be an issue in terms of money, cap space, yada yada. The hit they're going to take. But it seems like, to, to your point, it seems like when you said they might have to sit on them for a year, it seems like that's what the Raiders are doing because Gruden's coming out and he's you know guns blazing defending Antonio Brown. Well, I mean, I feel like he has to because, you know, that, that's what saves face for him in public. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to do the whole thing. Like, hey, we need you. He's basically trying to, through the media, assuage his ego and say, no, we need ABs. He's hurt. His feet hurt. And people are making fun of him. But he's got a serious injury to his feet. And, you know, he's working hard. And he's a player. And he, he likes his helmet. And he's trying to get on the field. So so he's saying on the right things. But I, I would agree in terms of the options that you gave is that they're trying to sit on it. They're trying to say, okay, let's how can we make this sugar-coated? Let him play. Let him ball out. And then we can maybe move him and get something in return. Yeah, that, that, that's, that would be their best plan. Um, but I, I, what I do find interesting is uh, Mr. Mayock, uh, former uh, former television great, yes, GM, has made an ultimatum, saying uh, we need to know if he's all in or all out. Um, so this this sort of puts it in the public sphere that the Raiders are tired of his back and forth, and they need some sort of quote unquote commitment from him yes. going forward. Well, they need stability because if they if they were building or planning this offense around them, and and I when I was watching the Cardinals game versus Raiders uh, this Thursday, or this, excuse me, this past Thursday, and Booger McFarlane, which is it's just a great it's a great name. <laughs> it's a great name, but he's not a great commentator. He's king of cliches. Yes, he is very much. He is the low-budget Warren Sapp. I, w- I wouldn't miss Let's say Family Dollar, Dollar Tree. Yeah, he's Dollar Tree Warren Sapp. Uh, that's, that's really what he is. He's Dollar Tree Warren Sapp. So he doesn't have as much charisma, but he, but he tries. And Then again, uh, he did sound like an Emmy winner compared to Jason Witten. <laughs> I don't, you know what? do not defend <laughs> he was terrible he was bad Jay-Z, yeah that looks like a looks like a good route there um, he said, he was stepping over his feet uh, he was stumbling and bumbling on it like he would have run on sentences that just ended and went and nowhere just, into space he's like yeah you know what that's a great play and he uh did a great route and then just fade out and he's like that's the toy's like oh this motherfucker Right here, man. And Tessa like, I can't even do Tessa Tour's voice. Well, I can't even do it because he is such a like iconic. Yeah. You can't even. I don't. I don't even know anybody who can like do his voice. But I would Tessa agree with Tour you. Sounds, Tessa Tour sounds like he got 
like he has a finger that he sticks in a light <laughs> electrical socket. I'm sorry. I, I I lost you when you said he feels like he sounds like he has a finger. And I just <laughs> That sounds like a wind line. That's a that's a, that's a wind right there. Yeah, my brain went to nine thousand different places. So I'm sorry if I'm immature and I'm that's laughing over because <laughs> I thought you were gonna say he had somebody like controlling him with the finger. So I just thought of a I just thought of a tessitor puppet. <laughs> I mean, there's a bit more uh, autonomy than that, but <laughs> Mr. Witten. Yeah. Yes, uh, Jason was bad, and but you know what makes everyone look bad now is Tony Romo. Tony Romo makes everyone look bad. You know, it's funny. I actually started warming up to Romo. It took two years. The, for his first year, he just he was super corny, and he, he annoyed me because of his his little G all shucks, you know, punching in the air sort of enthusiasm yeah. in the but in in the in the booth. But then over time, then I started looking at the landscape. I hate Joe Buck and Aikman. Um, Fouts is okay. Iron Eagle's okay. Uh, but I normally only get them on certain Sundays. Um, who else is pretty bad? Then you have Tessator and Witten. So I'm like, you know what? Roma's really not that bad. I might need to warm up to him a little bit. And then some of the games that he called, he he sort of scaled back on the shtick. Yeah. Just started when he started um, calling plays out. Yes, when he started being football, when he started showing his knowledge of the game, yes. and and still being able to read defenses, and he started showing that to the public. Like, he kind of peeked, let the casual fan peek behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, more people started to warm up to him. Yeah. Once once he started calling out tendencies, I was like, you know what? He's valuable. He yes. has he has a place. This is the type of guy that you need in the booth now because now I can watch the game with a little, it feels like I'm getting more, not necessarily insight. He's not teaching us, but he's sort of seeing it like, but okay. It is teaching. It, it almost is like football one-on-one because now you see why they're making these audibles or you, cause you, cause the, the way the football broadcast is, you can't always see the back end of the defense. You're not going to really see those, those safeties and corners. So to be able to, have someone kind of telling you, all right, this linebacker shifted this way, the safety's coming up, and just a quick blurb. So then when you go to work on Tuesday and you're talking to your friends, you can sound like you know a little bit of something. So, yeah. I, I mean. Well, it, I meant for more for with his, there are times when he would just say, oh, so-and-so's going to run here. Yeah. So like on the basic calls, I wasn't, he wasn't to you. But yeah, he. you're right. Because there are times when he would, like because he would call out the formation, oh, it's a three-by-one. Yeah. They, probably going to flood this side of the field go backside like okay yeah i get that that now i'm learning something there but i just from his basic calls i wasn't necessarily learning anything but it just it helped me understand tendencies yes and it also it sort of showed he could almost sort of subtly call out who is actually a good play caller and who isn't depending mm-hmm. on the game that they're calling um like because some some obviously some coaches are conservative some are aggressive or, uh, you know, of course, every Patriot game that he got, he was in love with, you know, the Patriots, uh, the Patriot way. So um, I just I just I feel now that he's a valuable resource. I'm not going to say I'm going to seek out every game, but if I'm watching a game and he's on, I won't necessarily turn it off right away. And I, yeah. And for the most part, commentators, I've never really the only commentator I've ever really paid attention to that just drove me insane Chris Collinsworth. I Chris Collinsworth is one of the only commentators that like I I might be a dick to in public. I, I just I just don't like anything he has to say ever. Like ever. Like it just seems like he was that lucky dude that made it into a league when if he played five years later, he wouldn't have made it. You know what I'm saying? Like I just feel like there's no reason why he should have been in the league. And then how he's made a career out of mediocrity. Like Chris Collinsworth was never that guy in the league. Like he was a white receiver and the Bengals went to a Super Bowl, but he was never that guy in the league that said, yeah, we should get him in the booth. 
And then he hopped it in the booth and he has this such air of arrogance that he knows everything that's going on in the league. And it just infuriates me because it's like, then he says things, especially he says a lot of low key stuff about African-American players and the things that they do and how demonstrative they are. And he says a lot of things that disparage that. And I started catching on to that as I got older and I really, really started to dislike him and just his football. Yeah. I don't know. Chris Collinsworth is, is the one is the worst. Like people say is Joe Buck and I don't know why he's just there. He just seems out of place. Like Joe Buck seems like he should just do baseball, but I don't know why there's so much hate for Joe Buck. I, I mean, his yeah. voice, I don't I, I, I because I don't I don't I don't I don't pay attention to him that much. Like I don't like to me the announcers are just innocuous. Like I don't even listen to them because I'm like Tony Romo. Like I'm I'm a football player and I've studied game film. So I watch I watch it like coach film. Like I do the same thing he's doing. And then so the the I don't need the announcer. I don't need the play by play. Um so I don't know. It's it, it, interesting. You tell me why Joe Buck is bad, and then we'll hop back into Antonio Brown. <laughs> well, uh, for one, let's. I'll go back to Collinsworth. Um, Collinsworth, I liked him in the very beginning when he got on with Michaels because he was a breath of fresh air, and I hadn't heard him in a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but over time, I can understand where you where you see him. Um, that we can expand on the Collinsworth thing. Uh, for an off-air discussion. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll leave that there. Uh, Joe Buck's problem is that Buck is a smarmy uh, jerk. Hmm. And I feel like that comes across in his calls. What sh- how you hear Collinsworth, where he sort of um, makes a point to uh, talk about the demonstrative nature of certain African-American players. Yes. Buck, Buck does that on Fox. Mm. consistently if a guy celebrates a little too much i distinctly remember him getting up in arms when randy moss did the thing in green bay oh yes i heard the call matter of fact that highlight was on the other day and i was watching it and he's like that is just a disgusting act by red yes yes tried to play morality police over something that was fake i said you know what me and buck we're not working we're not working on the same wavelength he got it when most people could probably come, I mean, just if you wanted to nitpick at something about Joe Buck, you could probably say he got his job because of nepotism. I mean, I mean, in this, in this society, that's not shocking. <laughs> the, the way things are going now, you know, that, that that's only par for the course. Yeah. Like, like, okay. You're the son of like one of the great, you know, baseball play-by-play people. So how are you not going to have doors open for you to be in play-by-play? Exactly. Which which then would lend, lend itself or lead into the fact that he's smarmy and he's a jerk because yeah. he's he into, entitled. Yeah, he feels entitled to it. All right. Okay. So we jumped on uh, our uh, dislike for some com- commentators and, and we, we've kind of hopped in there. So we'll go back to Antonio Brown. Okay. Right. So the Raiders, we feel like Mike Mayock is given the ultimatum. You need to play uh, in public. John Gruden is saying we're behind our guy. So it seems like there's a little bit of a mixed message there. John Gruden's like, I got your back. Mike Mayock's like, well, you need to tell us what's going on. Right. Okay. So now for people that don't understand the helmet issue. So Antonio Brown, uh, toe tap Tony, as he shall affectionately be called for the, maybe the rest of our conversations here and if it catches on uh we are copywriting that phrase and we want 85 cents on the dollar for that uh again netflix if you're listening to us if we get time we will discuss you so it's still open for you to be a sponsor of the show as well but i digress so toe tap tony he's had this helmet this specific helmet since he's come into the league and i get it again as a football player I wore the same helmet in college for my entire years in college. My entire times I was on that field, I wore the same helmet. I made sure I talked to the trainer. I talked to me, me, make sure that's my helmet. Cause it just, you, you, 
you grow into the fit or the fit grows around you and you feel extremely comfortable with it. Same thing with shoulder pads. You want the same style, same tight because it fits. So I get that part of it. But as it's come out, as you get more information and more information, he was warned a year ago, his year grace period to find a similar helmet. He was given that year grace period when he was on the Steelers. Granted, he was going through a lot of drama, but you have people that are supposed to be taking care of that. Like, okay, you need a year to get this helmet. Now you're going to go play for the Raiders. You don't get a whole new year again. Your year is up. You can't wear this helmet anymore. If you wear it, you can be fined or you won't be allowed to play. So he had the time to get this fixed. And now he's crying, you know, for all lack of a better word, he's crying like a baby because, oh, I can't wear my helmet. It feels good. It's taking away my vision. So now he, he jumped into the, what well, I'm not going to play if I don't get my helmet. But so now we're here where he was out running routes during the preseason game number two versus the Arizona Cardinals. He did not play, but he was in full pads and he was running a route. He did have a helmet, but it was not the one he's still saying he wanted. And so, as you know, Chris, he's jumped on the Twitter and taken the social media and he is asking for people to send him uh, versions of this helmet that he likes to see if it's something that he can fit and to see if it's passes regulations for the NFL. So tell me what's your thoughts on that? Is that something you think it's, it's good or is that just another ego builder that he knows he can go to social media and get thousands of people to send him these helmets versus just talking to the company itself? Mm, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that screams of ego. Uh, of him reaching out to social media followers than actual equipment managers or the NFL regarding the equipment he needs to actually play this game. I know he, I know he went through an arbitration. Or was it a phone call or, or some sort of two hour meeting with the NFL? He lost his appeal. Mm -hmm. um, but then I've also heard reports of him. Like he, he was given the helmet. They told him that he couldn't wear his helmet. They gave him another helmet. He wore it for certain practices. Then the following day, he would try to sneak his old helmet back in. And they told him, no, you can't wear it. So he's like, okay, okay, I get it. I get it. Went back to the new helmet. Then went back to the old helmet, new helmet, old helmet. Like he's playing this game, what seems like a game, over this one piece of equipment. I... I it's it's baffling to me that something this small would create a situation where you have to now get an ultimatum where it becomes a all an all or nothing you're here or you're not type of situation um i i, I don't i don't want to i don't want to dismiss his claims considering he actually went through the process of actually sitting down for a long meeting mm -hmm. and something figured out like i really feel like the helmet is really important to him as you said you know football players are like they're creatures of habit and yes. their equipment has to be a certain way like you sometimes especially when you see them on the field like if they have high socks and socks they roll down they have to roll them back up they need like certain elbow uh, you know like a certain amount of wristbands or tape or whatever the case may be so yeah. i know that i know that i know that what you wear out there on that field is important to you. You want to keep that going for yes. as long as you can. Because it, it, it's a psychological thing. It makes you feel confident. If, if you wear a certain helmet that you think or over the years you've had good vision in, then you feel like anything else that you wear, you're not going to be able to be as good. And if you can't be as good, then are you really as good as you think you are? And it, you, if you start thinking that way, it'll eat away at your confidence in any sport, but football in general is a truly is a confidence-based sport. And so I get that. I, like, again, I agree. I get what he's doing or why he wants to wear the helmet. I just don't agree with how he's going about it. I, I that's That was pretty much where I was going to end up. It was like, I, I feel like 
something should have been worked out um, by now, and I I just don't understand why. Now, I probably the one person who should have been on top of this is his agent. Yes, I'll say his agent should have been there a year ago talking to the same company and trying to get a new version of this helmet that's going to pass the test, the concussion protocol test. But his agent is Drew Rosenhaus, who is literally the busiest, uh, star-chasingest agent out there. So my guess is that he won't, he wasn't on top of it to cover Antonio the way Antonio needed to be covered. Yeah. But because again, it's a money thing. He was trying to just get him out. Drew Rosenhaus is probably just trying to get him out of the out of the Steelers, out of Pittsburgh. Well, and, at this and time, and get that extension, and get the extension, and get the money, and get it guaranteed. So it's like, which then jumps into the mindset. I want to kind of go back to to the interview with Jeff Darlington. So that that's the interview we sat down with Jeff Darlington, the ESPN. And here's what stood out to me. Antonio, I don't know if Antonio Brown knows that his money is going to end at a certain point in time. And and this is what I mean why I don't think he knows. This, this and it may sound real bougie to me. Really, he's like that new money brother. Like I just got a bunch of money, and the long term repercussions of the spending. Because in that art in that interview, when he's like, "Oh, I don't need football. I'm a billionaire. I got investments." I was like, I don't, I don't know if I've seen you on that list of billionaires, bro. But so let's let's back the, that claim down. And if someone proves me wrong, prove me wrong. I have no problem right. with that. Right. But at the same thing, he's like, oh, man, this is all paid for. So here's here that struck me. It like jumped out at me. He's like, oh, bro, this is all paid for, bro. This cash. I don't, I don't need nothing. And I'm like, so do you not realize you still going to have to pay utilities on wherever you live at? Like, does nobody not realize this is what actually this is why MC Hammer went broke? MC Hammer didn't go broke because people stopped buying his records. MC Hammer went broke because the money he spent on his home, he had to pay over a million dollars a month in utilities. Like just paying the light bill <laughs> is what put MC Hammer on like MTV and VH1 and other reality TV shows. Uh, behind the music yeah behind the music like that yeah that's what put him in that place N- not him spending money on cars and all this stuff he was trying to keep up and pay his bills so when antonio brown said that and he goes oh man this is all paid for yet yeah, the house is paid for yeah but those lights ain't paid so that that it kind of it made me nervous. And I was like, do you not know the repercussions or the repercussions? Do you not understand that you can say, yeah, I don't need the game and you have investments, but who's really investing for you? Let's not, we all, Clinton Portis in a one bedroom apartment somewhere in Maryland because he let people make investments for him and he lost all his money. Adrian Peterson currently. Adrian Peterson lost all his money because he let people make investments for him and he ain't got no money and Clinton Porter's bro and Clinton Porter's earned money and he's broke. Yeah. He's so, reporter now for uh I think Denver. Yeah. Cause he's trying to make a living. He's in a one bedroom apartment somewhere. Yeah. You know, you I you gonna go out and use a community pool and you got Clinton Porter's in there. But like you know like <laughs> Clinton's probably cleaning the pool right now. He's probably doing extra work. He's the manager. He's the site supervisor, so he can get that extra $1,000 off his rent. Yeah. I mean, I know we're, we're kind of joking. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek. Right. But I, I it, that made me think. I'm like, does he really not understand? Okay, you got this guaranteed money. You got this million dollars, but you got to pay taxes. So first of all, it's about 48% of what you got guaranteed, what you actually going to get put in your account and you got all these yes people because you know he got an entourage you you taking helicopters and all types of shit to practice you got to pay for that yeah you know so when that constant money stops coming in but you still got to pay money going out that's when people start getting desperate then that's when you like was it sam heard and then you doing cocaine deals and you a cocaine kingpin in chicago 
not not saying Antonio Brown's going to do that. And I'm understanding I'm making a large connection of dots from the fact that he just he's angry about not having a helmet. I'm I'm picking on a specific set of things he said. And it worried me. Again, I'm not a millionaire, but as someone who who as has grown up and realized the reality of bills <laughs> and bills will come get you to say, Oh, this is all paid for and think that's it. Like that's the highlight, man, it's paid off. Yeah. But you still got to pay everything else. That power is what's paid off. So you still need some money. So what you going to do after this is over, you can't be toe tap Tony in the booth and have an attitude because you don't have your own show yet. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. your same progression or your same attitude on the field isn't going to carry well off the field. So where's your head really at? This this sort of speaks to the ego that yes. we earlier. Like this this the circles that he runs in, mm-hmm. the way that people idolize, not even idolize, but the way that they talk to him with a certain amount of fandom and reverence the circles that he's in, you know, he's, he's got videos with DJ Khaled. There are people that looked him like, yo, Antonio Brown is this Antonio Brown's that on the cover of Madden, you know, all of that feeds into a cycle of, I can't be touched in a, in a sense, because I have all this adulation from my fans, from the people, you know, people giving me free merch, giving me free stuff. Um, and and he's self-made, you know, he's self-made. He went to Central Michigan. Yeah. Central Michigan after going to junior, after attempting to play quarterback, he was a quarterback and then went to Central Michigan and it's like, okay, I'll play wide receiver and then got to the NFL and now became a star all while being kicked out of his house. So, I mean, he does have a story, but again, like you're saying that ego that he's built up or that, that wall of false bravado is at some point going to come crashing down. Unfortunately. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't wish that. I I think you and I don't wish that on him, but no, no. I, cause I, oddly enough, I like him as a player. Like a lot of the times when there are people that give off vibes like his, I'm normally against them. Yes. But for some reason, I, then again, I've also seen him play and they're times when he'll do something and I'm just like I can't I can't deny him my fandom because of his abilities on the field I know and of course I know his story Central Michigan etc and I know what he's done to get himself to this level he he's not genetically um ahead of the curve like some of the other receivers are in the league but I and I know he worked his way you know the whole trench foot cryo thing tearing up his feet in the offseason i'm seeing videos of him doing like strength training gripping where he's grabbing a brick in midair while wearing loafers you know there's something about that that's in not endearing but there's something about it's like you know what that's i like seeing that yeah i like his his hard work betrays his ego right so it's uh, we're in a weird space where you got one side with him being like a, a egomaniac. The other side, you got him being like a an extremely hard worker, and you're sort of caught in the middle. Like I don't know what to do. I don't know where. I don't know where to go from a feeling standpoint with him. Like you want success for him, but you sort of want him to get his head screwed on straight, which is so. I you know you, you're just hoping for the best with him. Maybe maybe the things change if he gets traded and goes to another team and everything gets ironed out if he gets his helmet. I don't know. I don't know. But and I I don't I don't agree. I, I don't know where they go. I I hope he plays. I think he will play. Um, I think he I think he will play because he has a built-in excuse. Uh, if he fails to be at the Antonio Brown superstar level that we all know. He's got two built-in excuses. He's got the 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 trench foot, the cryo feet, and mm-hmm. he's got the fact that he's breaking in a new helmet. And so he'll have at least a one-year leeway to not be top tier or not be statistically what everyone 
will be expecting of him. Well, I actually feel that he's the reason why he won't be top tier is because the guy throwing the ball to him. Mm-hmm. But that's obviously a different discussion. That's a different story. That's a different discussion. Uh, I yeah, I, I think I, I don't think his numbers will be comparable to what they were before. Uh, I think it's a mix. I think you're right. Derek Carr is not Ben Roethlisberger, but I also think there's no Juju uh, Schuster on the other side either. There's no one that is talented like the Steelers had talented that is going to take away coverage and not 100% sure about their run game. So there's a lot of different things. So for Antonio Brown to kind of wrap up Antonio Brown, but to stay in football is we've agreed he's not crazy, but his ego is probably going to write checks that his body and literally his bank account can't cash at some point. Um, And we both think that he's going to at least get a one year leeway to fully be Antonio Brown, and then it's it's a push. It's 50-50 what the Raiders do to him or do with him once they move to Las Vegas. I also find it very interesting that we just have this habit of talking about Antonio Brown. Uh, first time on the podcast, season one. Yeah. Look me up. I'm with Antonio. We had to call a, an audible. We did. Uh, now Spy- we- Spider 2 wide banana. Yes. Now we're in a situation where we're talking about him again. You know, let's hope this doesn't become a trend where every time we're speaking on a a podcast together on your channel, it doesn't have to involve him. But I have a feeling at least maybe the next one, he'll do something or say something that we'll have to comment. on. Yes. Well, we'll have to dissect and say, yeah, this is crazy. The rage is going down in flames. Who's got to get fired? Like, it's going to be an entire uh, uh, Raiders breakdown. Yes. We're going to be ahead of the 30 for 30 for this for this particular topic. Oh, this this might be this, this might be a VH1 behind the scenes. <laughs> they might need to get some sort of autopsy. Uh, those, those true crime shows, get one of them to, to pick over the Raiders team. Yes. Uh, and interview the Hard Knock squad interview uh you know equipment managers and the people working in in the mess hall everything just just get every bit of information you can because this could be one of the epic flameouts of uh NFL history it could it could be right up and because the raiders feel like the raiders are always up there for these things i feel like this this is going to be very high if it does decide to just be a complete car wreck train you know train wreck car crash type of scenario uh this is gonna be right up there this is gonna be right up there with one um any i get any free agent that the raiders ever get honestly because it's it's weird moss was was a dud yeah moss was just bad and then he goes to randy moss was just bad as a raider and then he leaves and he sets the touchdown record. So maybe 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 there's something out there. Maybe this if, if Moss was a dud mm. and Brown's a dud. Uh well, who was uh Jerry Rice was a dud, but he was like but Jerry Rice point. Jerry Rice is old. Jerry Rice was in the 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 last back half of his career. I, I wouldn't even say that. He was he was literally one foot out the door. Yeah, like, there was there was no reason why he should have been playing for as a Raider. There's no reason why. His cornrows were literally at the top of his head at that point. And then he got cornrows like to fit in. Like he just decided I'm gonna go to the hood. Like Jerry Rice has never been that dude that's like from the hood, and he just decided tells Van, Van Heusen shirts. <laughs> he they just, don't. I, then again, I'm not gonna say they don't wear Van Heusen in the hood because of the low cost point. Yeah, but. but yeah. Street, street star status. You're not going to be on World Star. You're not going to no. be embraced in the hood for talking Van Heusen. No, and, and having some cornrows. And, and he had no ends. He had them cornrows for like a whole two seasons and they grew an inch. <laughs> I wouldn't even, I don't know if you can call them cornrows. Maybe some other vegetable. They were some niblets. Uh, <laughs> they, was, they was corn off the cob. He had some niblets. He had corn corn casserole yeah he had something that you should never have in your hair at all no but yeah maybe maybe there's something out there in the water in oakland uh a lot of beloved figures go out there and fizzle yes. out maybe 
maybe maybe there's something in the culture. Uh, maybe it's the Davis. Maybe Al Davis's dead soul is floating over the the practice field. I don't know, man. I, I think I think it's just that I don't care. I, just, I think once you realize your career has went to the Raiders, you're just like, yeah. I'm done anyway. I think that's what Warren Sapp had. I think that's what Jerry Rice had. I think that's what Randy Moss had. I think you're like, eh, I'm, not, I'm good. Meh. I think the only person that ever played hard going to the Raiders is Charles Woodson. Because Charles Woodson is just that dude. He played hard when he was on the Raiders. He played amazing. You saw it. You finally saw his talent when he went to the Packers. And then when he back to the when he went back to the Raiders to end his career, is that's the only reason why that team didn't give up a thousand points a game. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So then jumping on, we're gonna move on. Oh, we can stay on the Raiders and Antonio Brown, aka Toe Tap Tony, uh, which actually was coined on this show on this uh, podcast when we did the Spider Two Wide Banana episode by you, my friend. You coined the Toe Tap Tony uh, name, nickname, phrase. Just want to give you that credit. I mean, you know, I'll just take whatever credits I can get. I mean, if it is found that I stole it from somewhere else, you can't prove it. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so I will wrap that up and wrap up our sports, mostly sports session. I had a great time, uh, again, talking to hosts of From Where I Sit podcast. Uh, Christopher, I had a great time with you on the show. I appreciate it, my friend. I'm glad to be here. Anytime you need me, just give me a ring. Yep, I will. I'll yell out Omaha, Spider 2Y Banana, <laughs> and uh, we'll make sure I give you a little hand signal. We'll be on the same page for the fade route. I'll be What I'll be doing is I'll be practicing like Antonio Brown. I'll be catching bricks, wearing loafers uh, until you need me again. Just make sure you have some uh, moisture wicking socks so we don't have any jungle rot and make sure you carry three extra pairs of shirts just in case you get into a Ray Lewis type of situation. Wow. You want to make sure. Wow. <laughs> I'm harping on that because I feel like I've got some unfinished business on that. I feel like I'm harping on it. I was going to say you got right to the point with that one. Ooh. You know, because sometimes it cuts like a knife, doesn't it? Ooh. That's pretty sharp. That's pretty sharp. <laughs> pretty sharp. All right. So <laughs> I want to leave everybody with a, a great quote. And it is from one of my favorite characters that I didn't really follow. And favorite characters in terms of the character development and the writing behind it. So this quote from you two, and most of my anime people will have heard this quote or have it as a screensaver at some point. It says, I see now that the circumstances of one's birth are irrelevant. It is what you do with the gift of life that determines who you are. So please take that to heart. Take that to heart. Determine what you want to be when you wake up in the morning. Do you want to have a good day? Do you want to be a good person? Do you want to be successful? Do you want to go after your goals? You're the person that needs to determine it. Don't let anything else stop you. Don't let your gender, don't let your financial status, don't let your racial or ethnic status, you got to keep fighting on it because at some point you're going to open the door for yourself. We will definitely keep you guys updated on the Raiders and the Antonio Brown saga, AKA, excuse me, AKA the saga of Toe Tap Tony. Yeah. Uh, we will keep that going. We thank you for listening. Again, please catch us all on social media. I am on Instagram and Facebook at Multiple Podcast Disorder. On Instagram, I am at Multiple underscore Podcast underscore Disorder. Uh, the podcast, you can catch the Multiple Podcast Disorder show on Instagram, excuse me, on iTunes, Spotify, Google Chrome, Google, Google Podcasts, Google Music, uh, CastBox, uh, you can catch us at a multitude of platforms to listen to the show. Same thing with uh, Chris and from where I sit, you can catch him at Anchor, which is the main hub. And then Chris, why don't you let them know where else that they can listen to your show at? Uh, they can listen to my show at CastBox, at Apple Podcasts, uh, Google. We've got um, Pocket Casts. I think it's Radio Public, TuneIn, um, Spreaker, Blueberry. There's a few other locations as well. And they can get me at my social media. You can get me on Instagram at from where I sit underscore PC. 
uh, on Twitter. I'm at it's from where I sit PC. Um, if you want the easiest way to find any of my material, just Google FWISPC. That's all me. You'll find me right there. Well, great. So he's taking over the internet, y'all. So catch him, you know, catch him on Twitter, holler at him, holler at your boy on Instagram. Uh, make sure to check out the podcast, check out the previous catalog. Uh, there's been some great shows in there, especially our very first show, uh, Spider-2Y Banana talking about the Antonio Brown trade to the Raiders and discussing, I, I think foreshadowed that there may be uh, problems at that time or there might be problems as he's going to the organization at that time so we can say we're quite prophetic on that show and that wraps up an awesome show and again i'll say thank you to my co-host chris from where i sit from the where i sit podcast i appreciate you hanging out with me today talking sports Yep, and again, I'll say thank you for joining me on my show. Uh, the wonderful host of the From Where I Sit podcast, Chris, I appreciate you being on the show with me, brother. You got it. We hope to get Chris a good, strong 20 followers on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> I would love to raise my listeners to at least a good 17. That's a nice number and make everybody happy. So to everyone out there in Nebraska, everyone out there in the world that's listening, <gasps> peace.